Hello and welcome to another edition of Wilderness Wanderings. I am your host, public speaker, teacher, blogger, writer, and now podcaster, David Nolan. I first want to welcome one of our newest sponsors, Faith Gear, an online store meeting all your needs for great quality Christian apparel and accessories. Find out more about this sponsor and others at wildernesswanderings.org. For today's episode, we're going to continue our study in 1 Kings 19, starting at verse 7, and we'll be looking into the subject of God's perseverance. Anyone who knows me personally knows that for a brief time, my family and I lived in Wasilla, Alaska. One of the great spectacles that you can experience in Alaska is perhaps one of the most grueling and difficult sporting events the world has ever known, the Iditarod. Every March, 70 or more mushers, with teams of up to 16 sled dogs, traverse 1,100 miles of rugged winter tundra. Braving the extreme wintry winds and temperatures, trudging through snow deeper than some people are tall, and surviving frostbite and other dangers in the Alaskan wild will surely put the hardiest of hearts to the test. This, quote, last great race, end quote, has been so challenging over 47 years that fewer than 800 people can claim to have completed the trek from Anchorage to Nome. In that same time frame, more people have conquered Mount Everest, completed the Tour de France, and even played in the Super Bowl, only half of whom wear the championship ring. The race requires days of endurance, a command of the elements of nature, extreme survival skills, and the leadership of a team of 16 majestic animals that do most of the work. The record time for completion of this race is just under nine days, set by Martin Buser in 2002. The musher with the most wins is five, and that's Iditarod legend Rick Swinson. The first woman to win the race was Libby Riddles in 1985. Only one woman has won three consecutive races, and that was Susan Butcher from 1986 to 1988. In 1989, Butcher took a break and came in second, but she won again in 1990. Her mentor was the man who started it all, Joe Reddington Sr. He never won the race, but he finished in fifth place four of the 14 times that he competed. The one thing all mushers have in common is the enjoyment of the journey. For the majority of the mushers, the Iditarod is not about winning the race, it's about enduring the journey. It is a race against the elements of nature more than against the clock. Sure, there are great prizes all along the way for those who meet certain trail marker times. The great reward comes at the end, when you cross the finish line in Nome and officially become one of the few that can say they completed the race. Say what you will about the determination of the mushers, but the real heroes of the race are the dogs who do the work. Every musher develops a kinship with his team. The dogs all must be checked by a veterinarian four days prior to the start of the race to get a clean bill of health before even being allowed to race. They are quite possibly better taken care of than most people are because these mushers depend on them for their livelihoods year-round. Prized pups that are born from dogs that race in the Iditarod fetch a high price based on that lineage, and the lead dog pups are even more highly prized. The key factors in building and training a dog team are twofold, teamwork 
and endurance. The dogs are trained year-round for several races throughout the Alaska winter season. They must work together and be able to persevere through some of the most extreme winter conditions in the world. If the dogs aren't healthy and working together, the musher has no chance of making it to the finish line, much less winning it all. It is amazing how much life can mirror this great race. Life can throw many extreme circumstances our way to keep us off course and prevent us from crossing the finish line. The cold north winds of despair, the deep snows of bitterness, the storms of rejection, the loneliness of solitude in the midst of it all. The only question that remains is whether we have the strength and willingness to endure to the end. We could do as Elijah did when Jezebel brought her newest threat to bear. Just when he thought he had the ultimate victory in hand by defeating all of Baal's prophets, Jezebel still threatened to kill him. This woman was relentless. She was ruthless. And she wanted Elijah dead and would stop at nothing until her bloodlust was satisfied. And Elijah, he tucked tail and he ran. Elijah just humiliated the Baal worshippers with a demonstration of God's power. Afterwards, he had all 850 priests and prophets of Baal and Asherah killed at the hands of the zealous mob. And Jezebel still wouldn't give up. Her hatred fueled her anger, fanning the flames into a raging inferno. Elijah realized that she would never give up on her quest to have him killed, and so he was afraid, and arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Not only did he run into hiding, he left the country, heading south, alone. How quickly we forget the power of God to sustain us in our trials. God has provided Elijah the foreign widow and her son with the food to survive a protracted famine. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did a jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 16. Elijah could have given up then because the widow was not the most enthusiastic donor of that little bit of food that she had. But God was true to his word as he always was, and the flower held out and sustained the trio for three and a half years. Now comes the newest threat of death, only this one is a bit more actively aggressive and targeted specifically at Elijah himself. And God reminded him that his word is provided to sustain him in his time of trial. When he said, but the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise, eat, because the journey is too great for you. As he arose and ate and drank, he went to the, in the strength of that food, forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mountain of God. The first thing I want you to notice here is this. God's provision is meant to sustain us in our times of affliction as well as our times of peace. 
Remember, as we discussed in our last episode, God doesn't call you to go somewhere that he has not provided you the resources to accomplish his purposes for you. His provision will be enough to sustain you throughout the duration of your appointed time on his assignment. This is the motivation you need to persevere in the face of difficulties, trials, and persecutions. His provision will sustain you. Secondly, his provision will take you further than you can manage on your own. The angel of the Lord said, the journey is too great for you. The work God calls us to do in this life is not meant to be done in our own strength. Our natural strength will last only so long. That's why he has provided us with his Holy Spirit. As John 16 verses 13 and 14 state, the Holy Spirit will, quote, guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall take up mine and shall disclose it to you. Now, the Apostle Paul knew this better than anyone. In his second letter to the church of Corinth, he had this encouragement to share. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us all in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also our comfort in abundance through Christ. Without the Holy Spirit of God living in him, I doubt that Paul would have had the strength to offer comfort to the Corinthian church considering all of his own trials and sufferings. Later in the same letter, he pleaded with God to remove a particular affliction, and God's response was, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. It is our own weaknesses that keep us humble. It is in our weaknesses that he gives us the power to persevere through our trials. And finally, he will sustain you until you reach the end. Ultimately, that means he will provide you the means for you to persevere until you reach the foot of his throne. It is there that you will receive your next set of marching orders and be sent back into the battlefield to endure once again. And he won't send you in alone, because he knows the journey is too great for one person to do alone. Adam couldn't live life alone, so he created Eve to be his helper. Moses couldn't deliver Israel from the Egyptians alone, so he sent him his brother Aaron to help him speak. Moses couldn't lead Israel on his own, so God inspired Jethro to teach him how to lead through a council of elders and advisors. I hope that we could remember to never give up in the face of difficulties in fulfilling our mission. Victory is assured by the word of God so long as we endure the trials and persevere to the end of the assignment. The ultimate victory was already won on the cross of Calvary, and all we have to do is hold on to that hope to get us through to the mountain of God. If you would make a spiritual analogy of the Iditarod sled dog team, where do you think you would fit? Truth be told, I think God's picture would be of the church as a dog team. 
trudging its way through the terrain and enduring the obstacles that come its way, while the musher would be the Holy Spirit, training the team, guiding them along the way, and prodding the team to press on, in spite of the difficulties, and receiving the honor at the end of the race to the joy of the adoring team. So press on, dear friend, and listen to the voice of the divine musher. He's right there beside you, prodding you forward, reminding you of your destination, a place far more comfortable than the bitter cold of Nome. Thank you once again for joining us on this episode of Wilderness Wanderings. Join us again next time as we take a look at the reminder of God's power in the life of Elijah. Until then, this is David Nolan reminding you to keep your eyes on the sun and let's always wonder through the wonders of God's grace.